Good morning. Yes. So as I open this up, if you have a Bible with you, we'll be in uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 14 through 18 this morning. Um, and then something else I also wanted to call out as you're opening up your Bibles, hopefully, um, is that the MC that meets here at Stowe on Thursdays at 1 o'clock, um, we've decided that we're going to take a journey through the entire Bible over the next year. And so really, we just started this past Friday of doing five days a week of reading and following kind of this plan that I have up there where we'll be able to finish the entire Bible in the next year. And so if you're interested in joining along with us in that journey, we would love to invite you to do that. Again, it's kind of the MC that's meeting here on Thursdays, but I know there's at least three other folks um, in the church as well that are um, that are also going to be going through the Bible for the next year. So if you've never read through the Bible before, uh, it's always best to do it with other people, um, in my opinion at least. And so if you want to... Um, kind of a reading plan. It's up here on the table as well as a couple other resources that you're free to grab. Uh, we also have Philippians journals as well if you want to begin writing through that as we go through this book. So I just wanted to call that out. If you want to go through the Bible in a year, talk to myself, grab one of these sheets, and we would love to, to be able to do that together. Oh, wow. That's bright. But yes... As I had mentioned, we're still, we just started just a few works, uh, just a few weeks ago, um, beginning the book of Philippians. Um, so this is the fourth week in our study of Philippians, and if you were here last week, a lot of what we talked about was just the fact that the Apostle Paul, the central focus of his life was the gospel, and just the call that it was to each of us to preach the gospel wherever it is that we find ourselves. And really this week, it's going to be a pretty similar message. Um, we're going to continue to see the Apostle Paul in prison and just his attitude and just his supreme focus of his life being on the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we journeyed through it last week, just verses 12 and 13, we saw that Paul said, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has truly served to advance the gospel. And really the call from that that I gave to each of us last week is that whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, Paul was in prison and he used every opportunity to share the gospel that we should do the same. That every opportunity, every circumstance that we find ourselves in on a weekly basis, God has placed us there so that we can be a light for him, so that we can share the gospel. And again, our message this week is going to be very similar um, to that same message. And so as we continue... In the book of Philippians, um, this is a book that Paul wrote, a letter really that he wrote to a church that was in the city of Philippi. It was a church that Paul loved deeply, and it was a church that had great concern for the Apostle Paul. And so again, like I said, much of what we talk about this week is just going to really reiterate and be a continuation of what we talked about last week, how the gospel was central to Paul's life, and how the gospel should be central to our lives. And so we saw, just in the beginning parts of this, um, of this book, that the church in Philippi sent a man named Epaphroditus to Paul, a couple thousand miles away from where Paul was at this time, to see how he was doing. They knew that he was in prison, and so they wanted to see how Paul was doing. And Paul cared very little 
about how he was doing. Rather, Paul boasted and rejoiced in the fact that the gospel was advancing. He rejoiced in the fact that despite the fact that he was experiencing false imprisonment, accusations, he was being beaten and shipwrecked, that all of it has truly served to advance the gospel. And we also talked about how the very circumstances that each one of us finds ourselves in today, God allows those things to happen so that we can be a light to the gospel. And so really with that, to even expand upon a little bit more of what I called us to do last week, I really want each of us this week to slow down. That we would, we're going to find ourselves around many, many different people throughout this week. All of us are going to the grocery store, we go to work, we go to school, we do many different things. And I want us to just slow down this week because we're going to be around many people, many people who probably do not know Christ. And I want us to seek out opportunities to pray for them, to tell them that Jesus loves them, and even to invite them to church. And so really, I want each of us this week, as we find ourselves around people, to just have eyes to see. And just to ask them something as simple as, how can I be praying for you? And then to actually pray for them, to actually tell them that Jesus loves them, and even to invite them into community, into the church. I really want us to just, I want that to be something that each of us does this week. So if you're taking notes, write that down, that you are going to seek out an opportunity this week to either ask someone how you can pray for them, to tell them about the love of Christ, or even just to invite them to church. I know that can seem like a scary thing at times, but trust me, it'll be worth it. Really, the reason for that, the reason I desire for each one of us to do that is because there are so many people in the world who do not know Christ, who have no hope because they are not in Christ. People in the world need to hear the gospel, and they don't need to hear it from me. They need to hear it from you. It is very unlikely that I'm going to share the gospel with your neighbors because I probably will have very little interaction with them. But you can share the gospel with them. And then come back next week and tell somebody here how that went. We are going to see in our passage today. So last week we talked about one of the results of Paul being in prison, and that was that the gospel advanced. This week we're going to see a second result of Paul's imprisonment. What truly happened? How did God use the fact that the apostle Paul was in prison? And so again, the first result was that the gospel advanced, but the second result is that most of the brothers become confident in the Lord and are no longer fearful of preaching the gospel, but that they have boldness. When we do these things together, when you go this week and you pray for somebody, when you invite them to church and then you tell one of us how that happens, that should increase the church's boldness to go out and to share the gospel. I know it's, it's more encouraging to me. I'm more likely to tell someone about Jesus if I know that some of you, or if I'm hearing about how God is using you to share the gospel. And that is exactly what we're going to see in our text today, that the second result of Paul being in prison is that the brothers become more confident in the Lord. They're no longer fearful, but that they have boldness to share the gospel. And then there's a second thing that we're going to really see from our text today. So we're going to see 
that the brothers are no longer fearful, that they're bold to share the gospel. But then within that, there's two different groups of brothers that are going to be talked about today. The first group is those who preach the word out of envy and rivalry for selfish reasons and even to cause harm to Paul. But then there's a second group of people who preach Christ out of goodwill, out of pure motives. They do it out of love. It is my prayer this morning that the gospel would be the central focus of our lives. It is my prayer that we would grow more confident in sharing the message of hope of the gospel, that we would not be fearful to share the gospel, but that we would be filled with boldness. And lastly, it is my prayer that we would preach Christ out of love for people and out of love for God, that we would not do it for selfish reasons, but that we would do it out of love. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for us this morning, and then we're going to dig into our passage in Philippians. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just I thank you and praise you for today, that this is a day that you have made, that you have called each one of us to come together and to worship you. Father, you are truly the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who created all things. And so you are the only one who is worthy of our worship and of our praise. Father, I pray that if there is anybody here today who does not know you, who is worshiping your creation rather than you, Father, I pray that you would open up their hearts. God, just like you did to Lydia in the book of Acts in the city of Philippi, that you opened up her heart to the words of the gospel. Father, I pray that you would open up our ears this morning. God, if we don't know you, that we would come to know you today. And Father, if we do, that you would encourage our hearts this morning. Father, I pray for each person here that they would not be fearful to share the gospel, but Father, that you would fill them with boldness, that you would fill each one of us with your spirit. God, that you would give us a burden for the world that does not know you, Father, that you would help us to preach the gospel out of love. God, that it would be so natural to us because of the love that you have shown to us in dying for us and giving us life. Father, help us to serve you this morning. Help us to be selfless. Help us to know you, to worship you, and to praise you. And Father, I pray that you would just be with me. God, calm my heart this morning. I know It has just been a difficult morning um, with just kids and different things. Father, I pray that you would allow me and allow each of us to come unto you. God, you are the source of true rest. You are the source of true peace. Father, I pray that each one of us would come to you, that we would receive rest this morning, Lord, and that we would just be encouraged by your word. And it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. And so again, if you have your Bibles, please open up to Philippians chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. And I'll read that in just a moment for us this morning. Philippians chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. 
The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. I rejoice. I love that. Paul rejoices that the gospel is proclaimed. So again, in verse 14, we see the second result of Paul's imprisonment. Most of the brothers are filled with boldness, not fear, but boldness to preach the word. The brothers saw Paul. They saw a man who had seemingly unshakable joy preach the word despite his circumstances, and this caused them to be filled with boldness. When we read about Paul in Acts chapter 16, which I've talked about over the past few weeks, please, if you have not done so already, open up your Bibles even this evening and read Acts chapter 16. This is a story of when Paul plants the church in the city of Philippi. I love it. love that the kids are excited this morning. But in Acts chapter 16, we see that Paul is in prison, that he is beaten. And what does Paul do? He sings hymns and he sings praises that he was counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. None of us are being beaten for Christ this morning, but Paul rejoiced that he was beaten for the name of Christ. Paul rejoiced that he was beaten for the name of Christ. So no wonder the brothers are filled with boldness at the witness of this man. If this does not pump you up to share the gospel, then I do not know what does. To see the faithfulness of Paul, a man who was imprisoned wrongfully for four years, that he was beaten, shipwrecked, mocked, humiliated multiple times. And what does he do when he is imprisoned and beaten? He rejoices and he is bold to proclaim the gospel. So what excuse does that give us to be filled with fear? How does this not embolden us to share the word? The Bible tells us, why should we fear man? Man can only kill the body, but God is the one who can kill both the body and soul in hell. So we should not fear man, but rather we should fear God. Because he is the one who can destroy both body and soul. So really, we see in the life of Paul an example of a man who proclaimed the gospel in the midst of persecution, in the midst of being beaten with boldness and without fear. And he calls us to do the same because what do we have to fear? Truly, we might be ridiculed at times. We might be looking at as being silly, but this is the message of hope. This is the means to which God reconciles sinful humanity to himself, and so we must no longer be afraid, but we must be filled with boldness to share the word. So really, I know I've talked a lot these last two weeks about how we must preach the gospel. So I just want to take a moment now to remind us, what is the gospel? I can't tell us to preach something if we don't even know what it is, so I want to remind us this morning, what is the gospel. And so the word gospel literally means good news. But before I even share the good news, we have to know that there is bad news 
that comes along with it. And the bad news is that because of the fall of man, because of Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, after the creation, if you join along in the reading of the, the Bible this year with us, you'll see in the first two days that God created all things and that everything that he created was good. But as we read Genesis 3, we see that man disobeyed God. And the result of that is that now all of humanity has a wicked heart and that we are sinful to our core. And that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That we have all sinned against a perfect and a holy God. And the Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. And not just physical death, but spiritual death. God is the one who, because of our sin, can justly kill both body and soul in hell. And there is nothing that we can do to escape this fate. It is the payment that we are all due for our disobedience. And so that is the bad news. That every single one of us deserves hell and that there is nothing that we can do to escape judgment. But then there's the gospel. There's the good news. And that is that God loves us. God loves you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to save sinners. Apart from Christ, we are hopeless. And we are heading for destruction. But Christ came and he paid for the sins of the world on the cross. Everyone who repents of their sin and to repent is to turn from our sin and to turn to God. Everyone that does that and that trusts in Christ will have eternal life. We will have forgiveness of sins if we repent and we turn to Christ. That we trust that his death on the cross was sufficient payment for the sins of the world. All that you need to do is repent and trust in Jesus. This is the gospel. This is the good news that we have been commissioned to go to the world and to share. And so that is why I've been so passionate the last two weeks about how we must share the gospel. Because that is the only means to which man can be reconciled to God. That is the only means to which you have been reconciled to God is the hope and the gospel. So we must share this message. We We're dead in our sins, but Christ came, he took our place, he forgave us, and he died for us that we could live with him. That is the gospel, and I needed to remind us of that this morning so that we can know what it is, one that saves us, but what it is that we should go into the world and share, that all of of humanity is fallen and sinful, but that there is hope that can be found in Christ. So it's my prayer as we see the passage today that we would look at the life of Paul, that we would look at the lives of others who are not afraid to share this message, and that we would be filled with boldness and confidence in the Lord. None of us will face death probably for preaching the word. So let us no longer fear, but let us be filled with boldness. And so again, the second result of Paul being in prison. We saw last week the first result is that the gospel message advances, and the second result from our text today is that the brothers in Christ are filled with boldness to share the message of the gospel. And so again, 
as we move on to verses 15 to 18, we're going to see that there's two different groups of brothers that are talked about in our passage today. Both of these groups appear to be true Christians, for Paul calls them brothers, and they appear to be, true, to be preaching the true gospel. We see in verses 15 and 17 that they're preaching Christ and they're proclaiming Christ. So the true gospel is being preached. And we even see elsewhere in some of Paul's others, other letters that there are people in the church who are not preaching the gospel. And Paul has words of judgment for them. But that is not the case in our passage today. We see in these two different groups of people that they're both likely Christians and that they are both preaching the true gospel. However, one of these groups does not have pure motives. The first group mentioned in verse 15 preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. They preach it out of selfish ambition and not sincerely. And they are even doing it in a way to harm Paul. The text says they're still brothers but they are, and that they're still preaching the gospel, but they are living in sin and doing it in a sinful manner. The message that they are proclaiming is not in alignment with the life that they are living. And how often do we find ourselves in that same position today? How often do we say something, yet we do the opposite? These brothers were preaching the gospel, likely talking about the humility of Christ, yet they were filled with pride and selfish ambition. And so if we are actively sharing Christ with people, that was my call to every single one of us last week, is that we must preach the gospel in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. And so if we are actively preaching that message, why are we actually doing it? What is our motive behind preaching the word? I don't think any of us here are doing it out of rivalry or envy. I think that was more specific to Paul's situation here and maybe even to believers elsewhere. Paul was brought into Jerusalem, and no doubt he was popular. And the result of that popularity is that the leaders in Jerusalem probably felt envious and rivalrous of Paul. Even though he's in prison, he is more popular than they are. And so they have this envy and rivalry that creates bitterness and results in them doing things out of selfish reasons. So I don't think that's why any of us are proclaiming Christ today. I don't think we're doing it out of rivalry. I don't think we're doing it out of envy. But I do think that if some of us examined our motives, that we may find that we are preaching Christ, at least at times, insincerely, for selfish reasons. I know if I look at my own life, that I am constantly battling against my flesh, and I, tr I struggle. I know that grace is undeserved favor from God that I have been given, but in my own daily life, the way that I walk out my faith, I struggle at times to understand this word grace. I fail often to truly live out and understand that you have been saved by grace, that I have been saved by grace through faith, and that is not by our own works. Your works cannot save you. Faith without works is dead, yes, and we have been saved for good works, but we are saved by grace alone, not by our works. And so I know, because of the Bible and what it says, that I should preach the gospel, but there are often times that my motivation to do so 
is not for good reasons. It's rather to prove myself to God or even to people around me that I am truly a Christian, that I am truly a follower of Christ. And that is not a right reason. Even though Paul would probably rejoice in the fact that the gospel is still being preached, if that is the sole reason that I'm preaching the gospel, is because I feel like if I do it, that makes me a Christian, then that is a wrong motive. And just from our passage today, we don't know exactly the selfish reasons that these brothers were preaching the gospel, but I do know, if I look at my heart, the selfish reasons why I do it at times. I want men to approve of me, and I even want God to approve of me. But I want you to know today that if you are in Christ, if you trust in him, and if you have received the gift of grace, then yes, Jesus is pleased with you. We do not need to preach Christ to earn the approval of man or even of God. If you are in Christ, then Jesus is pleased with you. And so that should not be the reason that we are obedient is in order to please him. Yes, God does desire our obedience. He commands us to be obedient. But he wants us to be obedient from the heart, not out of obligation. Let us do it out of love is what our passage calls us to do today. Let love be the motivation for our preaching. Let love be the motivation for why we do everything in our life. Let us love God so much that because he is our father, that we want to obey him. But out of love, not out of obligation. I know that I often find myself trying to do specific things because I feel like I need to and out of obligation. But let us do these things out of love. We see in our text the second brother's motives behind their preaching the gospel is that they do it out of pure motives and from goodwill. They do it out of love. They do it out of love for Paul, and more importantly, they do it out of a love for God. It is the same thing when it comes to us in reading the Bible. Do you read the Bible just because you know that you should? Because you know that you're supposed to meditate on the Word of God day and night? Or do you read the Word because you genuinely love the God who saves you? You genuinely love the God who is revealed through the Word. Let us not just obey out of obligation, but let us do it out of love. And if you're finding that difficult today, if you don't feel like the reason that you are doing what you do is out of love, pray to God. Ask Him to give you a heart of repentance Ask him to give you a heart of love for him. And over time, I trust that God will do that. You will begin to see more and more the goodness of Christ, the glory of Christ, and the love that God has for you. And so this is my desire for each one of us today. I want us to remember what it is that we deserve because of our sin, but also the grace that we have been shown because of the love that God has for us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 1 John 3.1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
In the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Psalm 136, 26. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And lastly, Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And there are many, hundreds of other passages in Scripture that talk about the love that God has for us, that God has for you. He shows his love by dying for sinners and giving us life. This should be the motivation behind why we live our lives, behind why we preach the gospel. We, each one of us who trusts in Christ, have been shown unfathomable love so that we, the church, can show love to the world, so that we can show the world a love that does not make sense from a worldly perspective. There are people in the world who are actively trying to hurt Paul in our passage today. And what does the last verse of our text tell us? In verse 18, it says, Paul, Paul says, what then? Basically, he is saying, what do I make of these brothers who are trying to harm me, who are preaching from sinful motives? He says, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Paul rejoices. I'm sure that he was hurt. I'm sure that he was grieved at their motives. But what does Paul do? He rejoices because he knows that the gospel is far more important than how people treat him. He rejoices even though they are actively trying to harm him while he's in prison. My prayer today is that we would be a church who is bold to share the gospel. That the gospel would be the central focus of our lives that we would preach it out of love because of the love that we have been shown. If we read those verses again, we see the love that God has for us. That we would preach it out of love. I pray that we would imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. Christ, when he was beaten, when he was mocked and falsely accused, was silent before his accusers. Paul, when he is afflicted, when he is wrongfully imprisoned, rejoices he rejoices that the gospel is being preached regardless of the motives, regardless of how they treat him. So my challenge today, church, life is too short for us to take offense at every little thing that happens to us. Let us take these moments instead to show or to share the love of Christ. God is giving us an opportunity when someone is actively doing something that we do not like to show love to them that does not make sense from a worldly perspective. We have an opportunity to show love when this person least expects to be shown love. If you find yourself in a situation this week that someone is actively being mean to you, actively trying to afflict you, don't continue to be in that relationship, obviously, but if you're in that moment right there, use that opportunity to show that person the love of Christ. In a gracious way, even ask them, how can I be praying for you? Can you imagine the response if someone is actively being mean to you if you ask them how you're going to pray for them rather than being angry or saying mean things back and acting in a way that is not pleasing to God ask them if you can pray for them and then pray for them invite them to church 
Tell them about the love of Christ. Show them grace. And the reason for that is because you have been shown love by God that you do not deserve. I have been shown by God that I do not deserve. The Bible says every single one of us before Christ saved us was an enemy of God and that we were in active rebellion against him, but he came into the world to save us. So let us be a church that goes into the world and that we show people love that they truly probably do not deserve. For that is the very way that we can point people to Christ. We must be a church that is bold to preach the gospel, and we must be a church that does it out of love. I'm going to go ahead and pray for us this morning, and then that's going to end up our time. Father, God, we just, we thank you and we praise you for today, God. I thank you that we're able to come together and worship you. Father, I just pray for each person here, God, for every single one of us who calls ourselves a Christian, Lord, that we would be reminded of the gospel. (coughs) That we would be reminded, Lord, that we are sinners. Father, that you are a just God and that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to take our place. Lord, that he died so that we could have forgiveness of sins and life in you. God, none of us deserves any of this. None of us deserves life, but rather we deserve death. And so, Father, in light of that, God, in light of being reminded of the gospel, of the grace and the mercy that you have shown to us, Father, I pray that we would be a church that goes into the world, that we would be a church, Lord, who takes captive every opportunity, every circumstance that you put in front of us to be a light Lord, that we would show people love that they probably do not deserve. But Lord, that you would bless that. God, and that we would be able to see life change. That we would be able to see people come to Christ. Father, that is all I desire in this world. That is all I desire for each one of us here, Lord. That we would have a burden for the gospel. We would have a burden to obey you. Not out of obligation, but out of love because we have been shown tremendous love. Father, help us to just be sensitive. Help our eyes to be open to the opportunities this week. And Lord, I pray for each person here, Lord, that we would take an opportunity this week to either pray for somebody, to tell them about everything that you have done for us, or even just to invite them to church, Father. I pray that we would be a church who does not live in fear, but Father, that we would be filled with boldness. in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen.